Hey everybody, welcome to the e-commerce edge podcast brought to you by MGR Agency. This is a brand new podcast. This is episode one and uh, I wanted to just basically explain what the plan is for this podcast versus other podcasts that we host uh, at MGR. So if you want to skip ahead and you don't care about the explanation, you say I'm in, I just want to get the e-commerce edge, then uh, we always will have timestamps in the podcast notes. But let me give a little explanation for people who are listeners of our other podcasts. Um, Basically, this is a new podcast that I've wanted to make for a while, but... You know, obviously, launching a new podcast is a somewhat big decision because it's a big commitment to, you know, do a podcast, to do it seriously, I should say. Um, So this is going to be a weekly podcast. It's going to come out every Tuesday, and it's going to be very tactical and insightful, and it's going to have some news in it. Uh, That's basically the point of it. It's to literally give you the edge in e-commerce so that you're always up to date on all the latest happenings in the e-commerce landscape because things are always changing. Uh, which is good, but you know it 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 allows for uh, anybody to get ahead, but it also allows for anybody to fall behind. So I wanted to make a podcast that the reason why I didn't want to do it on the Edge podcast, which is the main podcast, is because that one I talk more macro, more strategy, more uh, big picture stuff, um, and I'll talk about big companies. But I didn't want to mix hard tactics and specific e-commerce uh, strategies on that one with uh or with the regular topics so i decided to make a separate podcast so this podcast will only be very specific e-commerce news kind of latest happening so that you're up to date and then uh different insights and tactics that i learn and we learn as an agency because obviously you know all we do is e-commerce day in and day out so that's basically the idea um this week we're going to start off with some Amazon news, then we'll talk a little bit about Shopify, and then we're going to talk a little bit about CCPA, which you don't know, it's it's the California Consumer Privacy Act, very similar to GDPR, it's going to be very important for anybody that runs an e-commerce store, uh, so that you don't get massive fines, you need to know what's going on there. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Pinterest and why they are very becoming more and more a very intriguing shopping platform. So that's kind of the agenda for today. So let's talk about Amazon right off the bat. Um, so first off, they started uh, launching new retargeting sponsor display ads. So previously, the only way you could do retargeting ads on Amazon through display is if you committed about $35,000 a month in ad spend just to their display network, which obviously um, a lot of smaller sellers do not have that budget because that's just for display. That doesn't include search, anything like that. So really, if you're going to do that, and that's just retargeting. So, I mean, you'd be looking at the very, very minimum, if not much more, a $50,000 a month budget to afford those ads. Uh, if you're going to include sponsored ads, probably even more because that that would be way too heavy on the retargeting side. But point is, before you would have needed to be spending uh, 50 grand plus a month to have access to these ads, and now you don't. Now they are just, as long as you have a registered brand on Amazon, uh, you have access to these new retargeting ads. And basically, Basically, they're just dynamic ads. I'm sure you've seen them before. Um, they're just little, it's just a little, I've actually already gotten them from some of our clients because obviously I'm visiting our listings all the time and I see them on other sites that I go on. Um, but basically, it's just a little image of the product, title, and then the star rating with the price. That's basically it. They're just dynamic ads and they 
pop up everywhere. Um, and so now you can set a budget for those and use them just like any regular um, sponsored ads. They say they don't let you tar do specific targeting on them as far as selecting audiences. There's rumors that in the future you may actually be able to select certain audiences like you want on maybe Facebook or something. Uh, but for now, it's just retargeting people who visit your listing and people who visit uh, very similar products, competitor listings. So that's what it is for now. Very interesting. We're in the testing phases with a few of our clients to see how it works. Performance is decent so far, but it's new. We're trying to find different bidding strategies for it as well. Uh, but I will keep you guys up to date as we learn more but definitely if you're running Amazon sponsored ads right now and you're not running those ads I would highly recommend it next up I wanted to talk a little bit about Amazon's algorithms and this is a very complex topic it's a topic of debate constantly um, but in the past week there's been a couple major stories that are very negative towards Amazon rightly so but uh, they basically were one there was a big Wall Street Journal report that talked about how Amazon is favoring products that are more profitable to Amazon rather than just showing the best possible results for the customer and then right after that there was a bunch of uh, news stories about how if you're familiar with the shoe company Allbirds very fast-growing D2C company uh, Amazon pretty much made it almost a carbon copy they changed like the laces a little bit on the shoe but that was it and it looks identical to the Allbirds shoe which is very very uh, best selling very well selling you know what I mean um, and they basically made a carbon copy and now they listed on Amazon under their own brand and at a much lower price and I wanted to comment on both of these things let's talk about the Allbirds ripoff first I think the reaction was a little much okay first of all they've been doing this for a long time now maybe Allbirds is a more prominent brand and it was just a uh, exact copy of their design so I think that's why it was so egregious and why people were so kind of upset about it but this has been happening a long time on Amazon as far as them seeing successful products and then making their own private label versions of them as well as every other retailer has been doing this for years go to any retail store and you'll find generics uh, right next to the brand name uh, products for often cheaper so this isn't an Amazon thing the only thing that people get upset about and I'm gonna talk about this in a second is that you know they unfairly boost their own products in the search rankings um, and that was what the Wall Street Journal was about a story was about so they 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 boost products that bring them more profit so obviously if you're competing in a category that Amazon sells their own Amazon basics or one of their other private label brands uh, they're gonna rank those very highly and in addition products that make them more profit as in if you're using FBA versus non FBA say say your seller fulfilled prime versus using FBA to get prime uh, they're gonna value the FBA listing more because the FBA person is obviously paying FBA fees uh, to Amazon and boosting the revenue whereas the seller fulfilled prime person is not they're just shipping items themselves and not paying that fee so things like that and then just obviously products that uh, Amazon makes a bigger margin on uh, for various reasons they boost in the rankings 
And I think that actually may hurt them a little bit on the consumer side because now they're not, they used to always be consumer first, consumer first, consumer first. That's how they got so big. And I mean, they still very much are, but it's a little bit against their their modus operandi here to be promoting products that are actually more profitable for them rather than just giving the customer the best possible results. Um, I think the bad part about this for Amazon is that the, uh, more and more news like this keeps coming out as there's an active antitrust investigation uh, by the federal government uh, ongoing. And I think that all of these things will be added into that antitrust investigation and could hurt them in the long run. But we'll have to see. I have no idea. I don't like to predict legislation or regulation because I am not an expert at all. But these things certainly don't help when you constantly have news stories of how Amazon is taking advantage of its monopoly position. Uh, that obviously is going to be things that regulators look at. So something to keep in mind if you're a seller, though. At the end of the day, you still have to play by Amazon's rules. So maybe it's worth taking that hit if you're doing Seller Fulfilled Prime to switch to FBA if it means that your rankings are going to improve a lot and you're going to get more sales just from that. It's something to certainly think about. Um, just a couple other Amazon news tidbits. Um, you can now pay cash to buy things on Amazon, which I thought was very interesting. Amazon partnered with uh, Western Union to basically allow customers to buy things in cash. It's interesting. I don't know how many people are going to try to buy things online with cash. But hey, you know, if you're Amazon and you get a 1% uh, little growth tick from that, that's a lot of money uh, when you're doing, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars in revenue. So I don't know if sellers will notice a significant effect because of this, but maybe Amazon will. Um, and then also, more interestingly, Amazon announced that they're rolling out over the next couple of years by 2021, 100,000, 100,000 new electric delivery vehicles. Um, and they're going to compete directly. They already, FedEx already removed themselves from being on the Amazon platform and they got hurt a couple weeks ago because of that. I mean, their stock, was it last week or two weeks ago? I can't remember, but very recently and their stock dropped 15%, I think, on the day that they had their most recent earnings announcement because basically they're losing more money by leaving Amazon than it initially seemed. And now Amazon is going directly after UPS. And I think a lot of people saw this coming. This isn't coming necessarily as a surprise, but maybe it's happening a little sooner than they thought. But over the next couple of years, it could be that Amazon severs ties with UPS too and just says, we're going to do all the fulfillment ourselves. I think that will mean even better shipping options for customers. And what I'm hoping, cross the fingers there, but I doubt it because it's Amazon and they want to make more money, um, is that maybe FBA fees will go down because they won't have to pay as much. They basically don't have to pay you know, when you're UPS, just like any business, you say, how much is it going to cost us to ship it? And then we're going to add our markup. By removing that markup, Amazon doesn't have to pay that markup anymore. Maybe they will lower some of the FBA fees, although I doubt it because why would they do that? They just can just, they're just going to increase their own profit margin. So we'll see. But that's kind of the major Amazon stories for this week. Let's talk about Shopify for a second. Um, They bought a company called Six River Systems, which is a robotics company, a warehouse robotics and 
logistics company for their own Shopify fulfillment network, SFN, their, their competitor for FBA. One interesting thing, actually, is that Six River Systems was started by ex-Amazon executives. So these guys know a lot about the Amazon fulfillment system, and now Shopify is buying their technology and expertise and bringing them in to help develop their own fulfillment network. Uh, it's launching already. You can apply. We have a couple clients who are kind of testing it out. It looks like the prices are pretty good. Um it looks like the one of the key things that Amazon does that Shopify is not going to do on the bad side, I mean, for Amazon is that Amazon charges per unit FBA fees. So even if someone, say, buys three units of your product in one order, you're going to pay that FBA fee times three, even though you know it's not going to cost them times three to ship it. They're charging you as if it's, you know, three individual boxes when that's obviously not how it works. Shopify, however, from what it looks like, their fulfillment network is going to charge per order, not per unit, which is a big deal for companies that often, you know, if, if you're a company that gets a lot of uh, add-on units at the checkout and are able to get people to buy multiple units instead of just one, um, it's going to greatly reduce your fulfillment fees. And ideally, you can have two-day shipping for a pretty low price and compete with Amazon because obviously one of the biggest disadvantages that most e-commerce sites have in comparison to Amazon is the shipping. Shipping is expensive and you don't have massive fulfillment operations like Amazon does. And that's why a lot of times, you know, it takes a week or more to get stuff from e-commerce sellers, depending on how they operate. And Shopify knows this very well. So they are trying to close that gap. I'm really excited to see uh, as uh, more information about this as Shopify rolls it out. Uh, but if you're a Shopify seller, I would at least apply and uh, see kind of get some pricing and get an idea because it could be a very good alternative. Okay, let's talk about the CCPA, the California Consumer Privacy Act, which is basically going to be the California version of GDPR. And even if you're a company that's not based in California, it doesn't matter because they have a massive population and it's a protecting all consumers in California. So it's going to affect the whole U.S. If you're a company in the U.S., you're going to have to abide by this or just cut off California. I wouldn't recommend that. Um... So what is the CCPA? It's similar to GDPR, but the problem is that they still have not decided exactly what um, all the rules and guidelines are going to be for the CCPA. They announced that they passed it, and it's going to go in effect on January 1st of 2020, so in a few months. But they're holding for open comment, and I believe the district attorney of California is reviewing it as well and they're going to still they're still yet to decide on all of the rules but the problem is that the part of the law is that there's a one-year look back window so if you have uh, misappropriated California consumers data from starting January 1st of this year of 2019 then you can be subject to penalty so the recommendation that we are giving and that many others are giving is that if you are not yet compliant with GDPR I would strongly recommend that you do that ASAP to avoid penalties and to make sure that you don't have anything as far as personal identifying information that 
you are using without consent. So obviously, a lot of companies, I mean, everybody tries to collect emails and information as much as they can so that, you know, you can target them on Facebook with ads or you can shoot them emails and add them to your email list. But you want to make sure that you're getting explicit consent now. Uh, a lot of people try to avoid this because it's obviously an extra step. It adds friction. So the rate at which you're going to be able to collect emails goes down. But unfortunately, that's just going to be the way it has to be. So uh, I, what I would recommend and what we would recommend uh, as an agency is that if you're not GDPR compliant, do it now. That means adding the little cookie button to your site if you don't have it already saying that you use cookies um, and then making sure that you get a double consent from people before adding them to your email list. That's the best thing you can do right now before the CCPA uh, releases their official guidelines because we don't know all the rules yet, but it's very, very, very likely that they're going to add those. Um, but we will keep you updated as things progress. We'd love to know too. Obviously, this is going to affect us quite a bit, but they haven't released a whole lot of information yet. But if you're not GDPR compliant, that's the best thing you can do right now uh, to make sure you stay safe because who knows the type of massive penalties that you could get. Uh, it's it could, be, it could be very dangerous if you're not compliant. Okay, let's talk about Pinterest for one second before we go. Um, Pinterest is... is becoming more and more and more interesting, no pun intended, uh, as the months go on as an advertising platform. They really are trying to be, and this is this is their vision, they are trying to be the ultimate uh, shopping platform, sharing shopping platform, where it's a social media mixed with a shopping platform kind of all together, and where buying products is very, very seamless, which obviously sounds very attractive to advertisers. So this week they released what's called Shop the Look or Shop the Pin, um, which is basically ads where it's similar to the Instagram tag ads, but it's much more seamless than what Instagram has rolled out so far. Now there's rumors that Instagram in the future may actually allow checkout in-app, which would be a game changer, but so far nothing yet. Back to Pinterest, they're making it much more seamless to see something in a pin that you like and then literally just tap and buy it right away. Um, and then they also uh, upgraded the business profiles overall because they're giving them a more prominent position now and giving them merchant pins. So they're, they're trying to obviously draw in advertiser dollars. They're a public company now. And they're trying to make a seamless experience. I will say <clears throat> the ad backend, the ad manager is a bit clunky. They're they're very much copying the Facebook ad manager, but it's, you know, Facebook ad manager is, hey, it still has a lot of its own problems itself, but it's many years old now and has many years of refinement, whereas the shop, or I'm sorry, the Pinterest uh, ads manager is not nearly as refined just yet, but it's, it's getting better. And the big advantage is, well, there's not nearly as much competition on Pinterest as there is on, you know, Facebook and Instagram. So the CPMs so far have been a lot lower. And it's really just a good arbitrage right now. If you're not utilizing Pinterest, especially if you have a uh, large female demographic for your products, I would strongly recommend that you at least dabble a little bit in Pinterest, throw a little bit of your marketing budget over there, test it out, see what's up, see if it's uh, can work for you. So far in our testing, it's worked pretty well. Like I said, it is a little clunky, 
um, and the reporting is a little clunky, but it's getting a lot better day by day. And obviously, you know, they're taking the nice thing is they take feedback very well. Unlike sometimes, you know, Facebook can be very hard to get a hold of anybody there and get responses from them. Uh, Pinterest wants to grow their ad platform. They're a public company now. They need to grow those revenues on a quarterly basis uh, so the stock does not drop. And they're clearly trying. And that's that's the best thing that you can really do. So I would say give it a shot if you haven't already and definitely look into it. All right, guys, that's it for this first episode. And this week, I really hope you enjoyed. If you did, please subscribe. This is a new podcast, so we don't have any ratings yet as of the time I'm recording this because obviously it's the first episode. So if you could leave us a nice rating, that would really, really help us out. And if you have any feedback or insight or anything you would like to maybe see on this podcast, we're all ears because it's a brand new podcast. So anyways, thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week.